And we are live again. Woo! Welcome back to <laughs> Renters Radio. It has been a long time. I'm not sure how many months it's been. Almost three at this point. Um, since uh, the COVID-19 crisis kind of kicked us off the air. But it feels good to be back in the studio, doesn't it? It does. I like that every other podcast and show thought this is like their golden opportunity of just switching to Zoom. And our response was... Oh, we're just not going to do it. <laughs> you know what? Evan was like mad at me because I was like living in a bunker and like shooting BB guns in a basement for a month. And he's like, Lauren, stop Elizabeth warning. I'm like, I'm doing me. Yeah. Just working on <laughs> health, uh, mental health while yeah. the world uh, roads around us. I may have actually been losing my mind in the process, but you know, I came back. There was um, more important things to deal with, which is why we're here. Which is, but do you want to explain one minute each? What were you doing during COVID? What wasn't I doing during COVID? Because we both have bunker stories. Oh, yeah. You were in a bunker yeah. and I was in a bunker. So what was your bunker? And then I'll explain my bunker. My bunker was a home in Brookline that one of our friends from the station's family owns, where me, Jarva, and a few others, Mel, uh, posted up for a while and helped clear out this house full of antiques, as well as we set up a studio down there. But the internet didn't work very well and a whole bunch of stuff happened in the process it was sort of this ongoing saga um and why were you shooting rats can you explain that because they were there and we had a lot of bb guns and pellet guns and it's fun and i, I don't have a job anymore by the way people so like what else do you do when you get laid off i was being paid to help with things that my friends had like side work and uh you know like work party and then, and then, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this about me. I'm sure you might have noticed by now, but I have extreme ADHD. So the last thing anyone can expect me to do is work from home. It's just not going to happen. Um, I don't do work from home. I'm terrible at, like, my, my room is a place for not working. If I'm working on something, it's like a side project, like building a road. Thing. I, don't, I don't really, like, go on the internet from my house. I scroll on my phone while on the go. So, so you went to a bunker. I went you to shot a bunker. Rats, I shot rats. Nice family. Get through it. I made it like a new grandma. Um, we made some great you music. Lost your job. Our... Earned a grandma. Okay. Yep. That. Um, had some amazing experiences. I will. I'm sure I'll go back there soon. But then you know, what happened was uh, Black Lives George Floyd happened, and the Black Lives Matter movement uh, reignited. And I'm never one to miss a protest. So. Um, when that all started kind of hitting the fan, I've just been out on the streets the past month protesting and um, in a way also still living my best life with that because I really am enjoying learning and seeing these young people out there every day. Um, but I haven't been back to the bunker since I was to so many people. Right, now, my bunker story. Your bunker story is so much more official. Is I was roped in with the MEMA, Massachusetts <laughs> Emergency Management Agency, disaster response to COVID. Basically for free. Like, as I think I talked about on the show, I'm an independent contractor of the state just to really manage this one grant from the uh, oddly enough Department of Homeland Security to make sure that just like senior citizens, people with disabilities are okay during emergencies. For some reason, then I became the guy that MEMA tapped to help run two different statewide programs. One of getting people who are homeless who get tested positive a place to isolate in a hotel program. And then another working group making sure, like, the food supplies are running. So I was basically on loan to them for free. I didn't see an additional dime doing any of this. Wait, but that's your job. 
my job is to manage the grant. I am just such a nice person that I volunteered to go to the underground bunker for Mima and help them do this. Like you didn't want to go to an oh, underground no, I, bunker. I 100% do. I, 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 Who doesn't go to want to go to an underground bunker during a pandemic? That's what we all yeah. want to do. But now we're basically done. Yes. Now we're um, on the streets every day, basically. Well, at least I am. You are too. Yeah. I, was gonna say, I mean, you. it's been almost one full month. Uh, two days from now, this Sunday will be Boston's biggest one. Like one month from that big Sunday. Yeah. I don't like like we're gonna have to probably sp- not right now in the second talk about like this the evolution of protests in Boston because I know we both have you've definitely been to more I've been through a lot we've both had a lot of experiences at them talking about all that. But do you have any quick highlights of like one protest? Um, because it does kind of set the stage for why we are here, which is yeah. to talk about the culminating results of the Boston City Council vote. Exactly. So protesting, in my experience, doesn't always work as intended, but it always works in a certain way. Um, I have been at, I believe, at this point, 25 protests in Boston since this started, uh, ever since the first one. I drag everybody I know with Herb. Danny has been, have been amazing comrades taking pictures with me helping me get video as well as evan you've i've seen you out there marshalling protecting people we've all done a pretty good job here um and i mean there's been certain protests that have struck me more than others some it's some some just seem like run of the mill like it's good to be out there it's good to have bodies out there it's good to follow the action but then there's certain ones that have really spoke to me where i've gotten emotional um a lot of these were the ones that were uh focused on anti-incarceration um, not even the biggest numbers of people, but, you know, some highlights are going to South Bay and protesting outside of um, the shoe, the solitary units, and seeing the people who are in solitary. Oh, those are the uh, public defender. Yeah, the public defender march in Roxbury. That was a couple weeks ago. That one really, um, really affected me, and I feel like I wish I could do that every day. Because um, they were putting, like, hearts to the window, like they saw us, and I just know how important that is as someone who's... Um, so feel that, um, everything having to do with that is spoken a lot. Also, any march that has been led by young inexperienced organizers that has gone off amazingly, um, which I've seen a lot of lately, this Gen Z is killing it right now. And I just want to like shout out, I don't even know everybody's name. I don't know everybody's organization and what they're doing, um, or what they plan, but they are doing an amazing job. Like we occupied an intersection the other day. For a few hours, that was pretty sweet. Our cars. Um, you know, there were some pretty massive ones, too, that Tito, Tito, Monica, you know, Violence in Boston, Black, the official Black Lives Matter groups put on that, that drew some amazing crowds. Um, I couldn't live stream as easy from them because there were such large crowds that the Black Trans Lives Matter march was amazing, beautiful. Um, someone said it was the most authentic pride in years. Oh, oh I mean, uh, yeah. I think probably. that's true, yeah. Um a lot of the the protests that were put on by mass action against police brutality have been really well done. And, you know, especially the ones uh, where, you know, Terrence Coleman's mother comes out and tells her story of her son getting shot by police and reliving that in front of all of us. And, you know, we're trying to be their supporter, but it still takes amazing courage for somebody to go and speak about their trauma publicly like that. So I really appreciate every person who has come out and put their personal life forward. It, it, it speaks to me every day and I, I wake up every day excited to go to another one because it's this is history and but what have we actually accomplished yet mm. no i know and that's why <laughs> i like you said a lot of things that i wanted to build yeah. on and i know like, like you and i can 
probably can and will at some point just talk for hours about the protest. Yeah, we'll have another um, deep breathing the, the, jam. Tr- still trying to keep myself in a positive mindset before we enter into the Boston City Council. Oh, God. Um, is, is you talked about how a lot of these that are being youth-led and how well they're being run. And something that I have noticed is the when there is a youth-led protest versus what I would just call like an, the older generations uh, organized and activists. And this is not a slight to uh, the older generation or the, uh, organizers and activists. Their marches have been fantastic, absolutely. The youth-led are a lot more aware that just the action of we're just going to walk from one point to another in a secluded area, have our speeches and leave, is not enough. And that the concept is to occupy space and also the like norms of the crowd in going through, like, um, just to highlight um, FTP, like one of the things right. they do. And this is like... I don't want to go on the tangent about it, but they do a fantastic job making the event go the way they want it to go and getting right. the whole crowd to buy into that before we begin. And right. it's just like this whole, uh, just this culture the last five or 10 years of like, we know how to like talk to one another and what I'll just call left spaces in general. Yeah. And they're also aware of how the internet is watching and they're using maybe different mediums than a lot of what I say. I mean, <laughs> The old guard. Are we the old guard? We might be the old guard at this point. Um, you know, they're on different, like they're they're on Instagram, not Facebook. You know, and vice versa, as well as they will outline certain rules based on the group, like what is okay and what's not okay, what the intent is, what the I guess the praxis is, and um, a lot of it is for visual, like and or just you know media uh, centered attention, and it does make a it does make a statement, it does make a difference. They do outline their demands for each march very concisely. Um, I think that even if they just had a march where they just said, fuck this shit, I would still march with them. But at the same time, and, they seem and, to and, understand. And there hasn't been one of those. Like, the, the events from, like, all right, this, we have to stop eventually and pivot to the city council. Okay, yeah. But the events of that first big Sunday, one month from two days from now, and the police violence and escalation was because of that event then turning into uh, an end result of some petty broken windows got uh, added in the process in, in the, the larger scope of just the piles and pi- piles of bodies and exploitation of centuries bear me that the men's warehouse got raided. Like oh, it, it, no. it, if you think those two things are comparable, then you're kind of missing the point. But, <laughs> but, but the larger thing is that that was the outcome of a police escalation. Two reporters who were on the scene there both were live tweeting it saying the police basically just like drove their cars through and towards the crowd as they were trying to leave and drastically escalated the tensions between them. That, yeah. was, that was reported on two different reporters. Yeah, I was there. I was trying to find a place to piss. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I was trying to help you with that. Yeah, you were taking me some, uh, s- some secure locations. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I did a great job. We did a great job peeing that day. Herb was with me. And, uh, you know, you, you, helped us, you helped us get out of the tear gas, so I appreciate that. Um, yeah. That was a crazy day. Um, but okay. All right. City Council, though, City Council. has pissed us off a lot. What was it, two days ago? Two days ago this past Wednesday. I was, at, uh, I was at a protest all day. I was at, like, three protests that day, and I was seeing you live tweet results, and I was just like, my heart just kept sinking and sinking. And I'm like, why is no one talking about this right now on stage? But let's talk about it. Okay. And... I, it's funny my, my uh, reaction to it because I was not expecting them to say no. Like, I've, I'm enough of a pessimist that I was just like, they're not going to say, they're, they're not going to reject the budget. 
They're just not. They don't have those type of uh, th- th- that type of stones. We'll call it. I had higher expectations for a few individuals, and and and, and that's what kind of hurt. Um, and we're going to talk about each one, um, and also the rationale that was given, and then kind of just watching it, like experiencing a month of the most authentic uprising since um, the MLK assassination. To experience that and to go through it, like what you and I have been doing, to marching in the streets, to occupying space, to seeing the demands, very concrete, very measurable, 10% reduction of a right. police budget, which is around like $480 million a year when you include the overtime. 10% of that, which is nothing. I, I wanted them to, and some groups were calling for 50%, and I think that's really where it should have started. Just calling those demands, thousands of phone calls, tens of thousands of people marching, and to have it not result and what what isn't even that big of a thing of Marty try again on the budget? Like it just it hurt to experience and to watch that, and and I yeah. think it, and it, it still does. Yeah. So, all right, the best way to go into this is probably a little bit more optimistic, and to start with um, Ricardo um, Arroyo's clip, Herb. But just to set it up, basically, this was for the operating budget. Has to get passed every year. It is the biggest power that the city council has. So, <laughs> um, it is the big, biggest power the city council has. The city council can have hearings upon hearings. They use it as a microphone. They have some powers over appointments to confirm them that I still don't know the full extent of. But the big one is they are the ones who have to say yes or no to the budget. And I don't remember the last time the Boston City Council rejected a budget. No, they don't. But, I mean, that budget did have a couple little sprinkles thrown in it what was it like 0.25 percent or something reallocated and but it wasn't nearly enough and i don't think 10 percent's enough either no 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 this i think um ultimately throughout this pressure maybe a week or two before marty pulled back the budget he was going to submit took i think it was um i somebody um should look it up maybe 12 million or 5 million from the overtime budget, and we're going to get to that in a second of why it's a very important distinction, overtime budget versus the uh, Boston Police in and of itself budget, and then just reallocated that. It was maybe somewhere between 5 or 12. I'll look it up during the clip. And what would have happened if they said no was there would have been, it's called, like I think, uh, a one twelfth budget, which would just be really just like a stopgap. Everything is currently going to be funded at the existing levels of the previous budget. And then it goes back to uh, Marty. Marty can submit another one. They can vote up or down, yes or no, to approve that one. So, so like that's like what the consequences would have been, and what a one uh, twelve budget would have looked like. I'm going to get to a little bit later, but it's it's very obscure purposefully. So no one knows. I don't know. None of these Boston City Councilors know for sure. At least if they did, they didn't say it publicly. What that would have looked like, what the consequences would have been of that stopgap, except for we'd just be working off of last year's budget while we negotiated for a new one. The reason I want to start with Arroyo is, and I think I've told you this before, Lauren, but he, he makes himself very vulnerable during this, so I feel like yeah. I'll, I'll try to match him interpersonally, which is I've met him maybe once or twice, and I never got a read on him. And generally, if I don't get a read on someone, I'm just like, all right, like right, I'm going to be very... Um, Right. So, very suspect, just like, we'll see what happens. But yeah. um, this is really my first time sitting and listening to him. He does an incredible job explaining uh, his vote. Harm that may come with the rejection of this budget. The word devastation was used, but not nearly enough has been said about those harmed and devastated by generations of underfunding 
for whom this budget does not go nearly far enough in meeting this moment or their needs. We took a moment of silence. For me, it was quite emotional. Eight minutes and 46 seconds. It felt incredibly wrong. It was very painful. Now imagine waiting decades for funding in your communities and being told to wait with an impending recession in which every conversation that, this, that we have had about budgets is that we won't have more money to allocate in next year's budget or the budget after that. We'll be protecting allocations and being told to wait for next year for that money that we've talked about not being present. We'll be there for that. And so the realities in Boston are stark. The average net worth of a black Bostonian right now is $80. The average net worth of a white Bostonian is $250,000. 99% of this city, our city's contracts go to white men. All of those things are products of systemic racism. And so I ask myself, does this budget reflect the love that I have for my communities? Does it go far enough in providing a much needed hand up to those who are most devastated by this pandemic and centuries of systemic racism? Does it create enough opportunities for those that seek them and have traditionally been excluded from them? Does it inject enough resources to reverse centuries of underfunding and disenfranchisement? Is this operations budget just? Is it equitable? The answer for me is no, and so is my vote. Was, um, so during that, yeah. her, um, our producer kept looking at me because normally I interrupt people after like five words. Right. I wanted to put, I mean, that was not his full thing, and this is probably an important right now disclaimer. None of the clips that I have or one, the f complete thing of what they said, and two, it's edited, meaning maybe they talk for a few sentences, I record that, I don't record a few sentences, I record a few more sentences. Good job. You're getting into production, aren't well, you? Well, well, it's more just because, I mean, this was a four-hour-and-a-half hearing. Right, I know, and, <laughs> and you like, were there watching it. And there was very specific things that people said that I wanted to kind of react to. But um, that was um, Arroyo's comment, and it's important to know that he... While doing this, because everyone's zooming from home now, he's wearing a shirt that says, um, they got money for war but can't feed the poor. Right. That's the t-shirt he's wearing. He led that segment going through all the different stats of about like how much more we are spending towards the police overtime budget. 15,000% more. Just the overtime budget versus fair housing in Boston. Um, over 4,000 times more um, than we're spending for um, um, immigrant advancement in Boston. So like he, like he just goes off for like two to three minutes of just, but and he's focusing just on the overtime budget. And this is something that I want, that is going to reoccur, is the powers that be have done a very good job. And the reason Marty Walsh took from the overtime budget is because that is, I think, $60 million. Yeah, it's excessive. But the Boston Police Department budget is like $410 million and then another 60. For some reason, we have shifted the conversation to just talking about the overtime budget when what we need to do is recenter the conversation around the entire budget, which is like 470, 480 million. Because then the stats get insane of how much more money we spend on policing versus healthcare. Don't and they get like, like four hours overtime for every like one that they actually There's are on the clock? 
or whatever. So, I mean, like, like this, like, there's details, and I've been told that basically, if you work in one hour detail, you get paid for all four hours. The same with like court appearances. Oh god! If, if um, I give you a ticket, that's why they all show up now. If I give you a ticket <laughs> and you appeal it, and I show up to the court, and then you don't show up, I'm there for twenty minutes. Like, nope, Lauren never showed up. I bill you for four. See, hours. that wasn't always the case. Of what? Them not showing up? Of them, yeah, because they used to never show up. And now they always show up. Well, to because court. probably now they've worked it in the union contract. Yeah, get paid more. yeah, because it used to be like you could beat a ticket. Mm-hmm. They never showed up. Yeah. So. so, um, and it should be noted that Arroyo be asked for um in the beginning of this hearing, can we take um eight minutes and forty six seconds, or is it eight minutes and thirty six seconds? Eight minutes and forty six seconds. Um, silence. And so, I-, I wanted to start with him, but just because I, I like he laid out perfectly, the, just the the gross disproportionate that this budget does of policing, even just looking at the overtime budget. Um, and now we're going to get to some of the other council members. And before we go into what else, I'll call it the first negative. Um, if, uh, Kenzie Bach. Okay. Uh, her That's fine. That. You can throw her under but, the bus. No, no, no. So no, and this is a very important <laughs> distinction because like, I really hesitated about whether or not we should even do this. No, let's do it. No, no. But how I got it through my head is basically I... Obviously, Lauren Show, Lauren can do whatever she wants. I am not going, I am not attacking in the three that I want to f- focus on, quote unquote, negatively um, council members Kenzie Bach, uh, Liz Brearden, and Liddy Edwards. I am not attacking them as people. I am not attacking anything they've done as an organizer or um, as a council member. What I am only going to do is what they said, my disagreements with what they said during this, and why I think a no vote. I'm sorry, a yes vote to pass the budget was a huge mistake. So that is all I'm addressing. This it was, is, they had one job. They had one job, Evan. Okay, I'll get, probably get more mad as I go. I also want to highlight that there's a lot of people that I also passed the budget that we're not talking about because I think it's going to be a waste of my... Yeah, we expected that from them. <laughs> a waste of our intellectual time to analyze why Frank Baker's yeah, statements yeah. were dumb. We knew how that was going to Or like go. Five Car Flaherty. Or like, yeah. I was thinking about Matt O'Malley, but like, there's just nothing there. Like, there's no substance to it. So I hope that people view it as I'm not giving them a pass. It's just like... They're already like, beyond like, the pale. Yeah, like if you're watching this, like there's nothing, there's no critiques I can give you that I think have value. Yeah, like what do you expect? Yeah. So, um... All right, let's and uh, but we feel betrayed by some people. Yeah, yeah, we do. So, um, all right, let's listen to Miss Buck. Let's start with Miss uh, Councilmember yeah. Buck. These items I want to save referred to as crumbs by colleagues who have stated in the press that a no vote today gives us the opportunity to push harder and win something bolder and better. A one twelve for a couple of weeks, they say, is a small price to pay. The immediate layoffs could be quickly reversed. Don't worry, we say to those real people currently providing real services to our residents. If my colleagues had a viable plan, one that I could believe was not gambling with livelihoods and critical services, I would be with them on this. Say that we don't have a viable counterproposal because no one from this body has proposed any source for more funds for our other priorities besides the police budget. And the same people... Okay, so like again, like the reason that editing sounds rough is I'm not pulling, uh, pulling the full clip. I think the clips I said still represent what, what they um, observed. So um, what um, Councilmember Balk just said in those two things... Notice I keep saying council members because I'm trying to be as respectful as I can throughout this process. She said two different things. Her first thing was because no one here is presenting a counter budget fully fleshed out, I have to say no. And this will always, always just kind of like 
kill any sort of left yeah. challenge to something. Well, you got something better? Okay, give us a chance. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and, but like, but we do. So we, it, yeah. like, it's, it, it's a little bit. But just to say that it, um, it was up to Councilmember Wu to have a side by side other budget when that's not actually how this works. Right. If it was, they would love to do this. Right. If if if, if that was part of the the process of oh Boston City Council, they get to create their own budget and they get to vote yes on that budget or no on that. Oh, they would love that, right? And 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 I'm sure um, Kenzie. I don't think from, we'd ever, like, we'd ever the... pass a budget if that was the case. No, no, no. <laughs> like it, it would be the city. This is honestly would be a better system. The city council budget versus the mayor's budget. They have to meet and go like, that's fantastic. But that's not actually how it works. And so to say, I will not decline the mayor's budget because we don't know what will happen next. And this is going to be probably one, there's two things I'm going to hit on over and over again. This is one of them. Is they are absolutely right of we don't know what's going to happen next. Say this budget is not good enough. Well, doesn't it revert to the last no, year's budget so, until no, they no, pass no, okay. something else? Okay. We like, literally we know. know. <laughs> we literally know that it goes to the one. It's not like budget. all the money disappears. It's a stopgap in between. Yeah. And then they can resubmit another budget. Right. And this entire thing and what how it would have played out and maybe I'll save this um, for Councilmember Edwards, is uh, I, I'll save the next step to that. But it does not mean that you have to have a perfect plan because that was not part of the process. The second thing she said, which I know a lot of us take exception to, is that they are only, um, my fellow council members are not... Uh, Herb, can you replay like the last 15 seconds? worry we say to those real people currently providing real services to our residents if my colleagues had a viable plan one that i could believe was not gambling with livelihoods and critical services i would be with them on this say that we don't have a viable counter proposal because no one from this body has proposed any source for more funds for our other priorities besides the police budget and the same people okay that's what this is all about this what what this whole the last month of protests have been we need to take money from the police right. and reinvest it and she kind of, she glosses over that. She says, none of the other council members are pointing to other areas of funding, except for the police. It, and, and then goes on to the next point, where that is literally the entire challenge, the entire movement, every argument that all the other council members made were either about this or about what the public wanted. So that is where the funding was. And so to quickly, to go over it, kind of missed, like for me, the overall point, which is that is the point, that we're spending way too much money on policing and not enough on transportation, on infrastructure, on housing. Also schools. And give it to anyone. Yeah, you literally could, anybody. You, you could have told me, we, okay, how are we going to decide it? We're going to make a roulette wheel of all the public just funding that we want, spin it, and then they get it. Oh, we got a call. Oh. Already. Let's take it. Why not? Hello? Hello? Hello, who's this? Sean? Hello? Hello. Hi, who's Hello? this? Hi, this is Sean. Hi, what's up? Hey, Sean, how's it going? It's going great. How are you guys? Good. Do you have something to say about this? Uh, we're on Kenzie Box still. Um. Well, right now, um, at the climate with you know everything that's going on in Boston and just the the BLM movement and the funding to the police, I, you know, I respect every council member, every council member that has been elect previously elected, um, sitting now, um, except for Frank Baker, um, I think <laughs> he should 
the mayor's henchman, as I call him. Um, I think, you know, for, for me, I think it was very hard for a lot of the council members, especially the new ones, to make those decisions. Um, and I 100%, you know, respect the decisions that they have made. But again, their constituents count them. Their constituents pleaded with them, called them, sent them emails. And for them to completely kind of ignore the the same output and cry that they that even not even black constituents but people that are not of color were saying to them i think that if we if it were to have gone the other way and if to, to preview the other funds that were allocated from last year and go month by month um i think everything would be fine i think the only problem is the police funds. everything that's being funded is through the police all the money that's being allocated, I've, I've seen the numbers from um, Councillor Ricardo Arroyo um, and his numbers. That's ridiculous. Where is the money being funded to the communities that are less fortunate? Um, I live in District 3, and I'm a candidate for District 3 City Council because I believe that, you know, every single neighborhood has to be reflected in that budget. And in that budget, I saw, I watched this over and over again, did not reflect any of those, any of those neighborhoods that are less fortunate, that don't have those services, mental health services, where's that money being allocated to? The money that should have been allocated was never allocated. Going to, where's the money for education? Where's the money for, you know, mental health facilities? Where's the money for, um, the people in the opioid crisis that are facing, you know, those, those addictions to be able to have access to clean needles. Like, I think that Boston, I think the, not Boston, but I think the mayor has had, has been working for the BPD and he has not been working for the people. And oh, I uh, think that it's time. Oh, no, no, please. Uh, Sean, finish up and then I think Lauren has a comment. Go. Yes. No, keep going. I'm liking, I'm liking what you're saying and I have a few follow-up questions. Keep going though. Yeah, I, I think that it's I think that it's really time that, you know, the people elect people that are going to represent the people. Julia Mayer, I was just um on a I was at an event yesterday, well on Zoom, via Zoom, um, that she was on and you know, hearing her story of how, you know, being an immigrant and coming to America at the age of five and being able to become a naturalized citizen, that is those are the people that are literally represented in this in our city of Boston. We, we most love of the her. people that live here are, yeah, let, most of the people that live here are immigrants. Right. And to not, have those, to not have those allocations reflected to those, to, um, to being reflected of each neighborhood is totally, totally emphatically a disservice to the people that have voted those same people that said they would fight for those same people who voted for Juneteenth to be a holiday you didn't like it. I unanimous. Was that was thing. unanimous. That that didn't do it for you, Sean. Um, <laughs> like I think. I mean, I think it was like. It, 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 I don't believe that now makes it an automatic uh, holiday. I think like now it like it enters your period of view. It switches. It switches with yeah. like you can switch it with a different um, holiday. But Sean, um, you are actually in my district. I'm yeah, not sure what, if you knew what's, that. What's your name, Sean? You're running against Frank Baker, or did um, you yes, already run against Frank Baker? I am running against Frank Baker in the upcoming election in November of this year. Okay, um, what is your pro, last name? Full name. Dab me small. How do I spell that? I have it. You have it? Okay. Yeah, Sean, I have a message. Okay. All right. Evan knows <laughs> yes, you. I'm you like, who is this person? Yes. 
All right, we're, I'm definitely going to want to talk to you further um, about about a lot of stuff. Thank you for calling in. But uh, Sean, no problem. I, um, I'm always I'm always watching you guys. So you know, oh, um, you, you said speak. something. Um, I forget what I said. There's going to be two major themes, and I forget what the first one was already. But the second one you hit on, um, which mm. was basically um, the council members, particularly the ones that are um, I labeled and seen as progressive and do have some progressive policies mm -hmm. did not listen yeah. to the hundreds thousands tens of thousands of marchers vigils protesters emails zooms they did not listen to that outcry yeah and it's, and, and it, no no go yes and 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 it's not like it's not like oh like this is just like it's not a big deal. It is because you stood there at the, at the, at the state house, you know, representing those people, representing those different neighborhoods. And then you go after their cry, after their hurt, after the pain that you have saw, the hurt that they're hurting and to simply decide to approve a budget that does not reflect every single neighborhood, even if it even, if it reflects your neighborhood, it may not reflect Dorchester because I certainly didn't see anything that reflected Dorchester. Right. I certainly didn't see anything that reflected some of the districts in part in part of um, Campbell's district and District Four, which includes some parts of Dorchester as well. I did not see that. But as a whole, I didn't see anything that was going to reflect all of Boston. It's our the reason why people have run for office is to have inclusion. Ayanna Presley ran for Congress. To include everybody in the district, in the seventh congressional district, she did not. She did not run just to include Dorchester. She ran to include everyone. And I think that um, once people, I think people have saw that, um, or at least felt that their vote did not matter because if you vote right. someone in, you vote them in because of the principles, the values, and the morale that they that they have put out there. But once you have gone against those same things, that is when the people begin to question who you actually work for. Do you work for the people that elect you into office or do you work for the BPD or do you work for them for the mayor? I mean, you work for the mayor, but you work for those people that have brought you into that seat. Yep. You did not you did not earn the seat. You you earned that vote from the seat because those people trusted you. Those people put their 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 vote, their single vote, just like Julia May, she won by one vote. That one vote she found in barbershops. She she found crashing people's um people's baby showers. That is <laughs> I was gonna say you memorized his speech, that's, dude. I'm, I'm, that's <laughs> impressive. That's, that's, um, that's what I'm saying. And and being able to do those things and people have actually seen that she has been able to actually change the way people have seen her and people and even when people don't see her the way that they need, she doesn't care. She is the person to say what she needs to say and if you don't right. like it, that is fine. Because I'm going to say the stuff that I say, and some people are may not going to like it. They're going to disagree with me. But I'm the person that, you know, I, I take everybody's opinion. Well, um, I I, yesterday, I had, someone, I had someone DM me, and they were like, oh, you never know anything about Frank Baker, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, he's, he's fixed the pothole. That's all I really know about. <laughs> you know right, I've, right. I've done research. 
I've done my research, my team. And I mean, even that, there's plenty, there's plenty of potholes in Dorchester, so I'm not going to give them full credit. There will credit. always be um, potholes. But, uh, as I was say, yeah. thank you for uh, calling yes. in, and I definitely, if you're going to try to... No, no problem. If, if you're going to look at uh, Julia and look at Michelle to me, um, you know, follow what they do, listen to how they communicate, and uh, yeah, you'll definitely be on your way. But I, I definitely look forward to uh, no, meeting they, you, they, I think, hopefully I sometime think in person. are, you know, really good inspirers, like, especially Julia May and Michelle Wu, they mm -hmm. have inspired me so much, and you good. know, I... I don't think I would be doing this. Um, also, because my grandmother, well, she passed last year of March. And, you know, she always told me, um, thank you. Um, she always told me that if you never, if you never try something, you never know if you're going to succeed it. So the reason why I'm doing this is not because I think like this, this is going to be something bigger for me. It's going to get me out there. I'm doing this for my, my neighborhood. I'm doing this for the people that have felt like they haven't been hurt. And I'm doing this for me most of all, too. Awesome. So those people, the neighborhood, the neighborhood that I'm bringing back is District Three. I'm not bringing myself there by myself. Everybody that's there, sitting with me, supporting me, donating to me, being able to go and you know talk about me, those are the people that I'm bringing with me to that table, to that seat. I'm not bringing you know um, fake Airbnbs, you know, uh, illegally selling things like. I'm not even going to get into the stuff that I found out about Frank Baker, but I just, <laughs> just want to. Yeah, as I say, if you go down that if rabbit you, hole, um, that's going to. Sean, I, I want to have you on again in the future. Would you come in as a yes, guest soon? Because um, I really yes, want to hear yes, more of what's absolutely. happening. I, and I this is this is November 2020. You're talking about. 2021. 2021. Yeah. Okay, we have a little bit of time, but definitely reach out to yes. us. I guess that Evan knows you. Yeah. Um, we'll my friend, we'll I've got friends that touch. know you. We, could, um, we would love to have you on to talk more because we would love somebody to beat Baker. So definitely call back yes. soon. It was so good to hear from you. No, thank you guys for having for letting me speak and, and speak <laughs> my truth. And, and um, I, I always watch you guys' shows. So hopefully um, awesome. yeah, we'll be doing it more. <laughs> All right, we'll take Thanks. care. No, you guys take care too. Bye. Nice to hear his voice because we've only been like Twitter friends and oh, like nice. a couple of emails. I'm just happy someone's running against Frank Baker. Um, that yeah, sounds pretty I, legit. Um, I think uh, he's going to try to go to our next uh, socialist meetup in Dorchester. Oh, you're going to so. absorb him? Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, he, he sounds DSA. like he's already on board. Okay. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to uh, meeting you again, hopefully in person. But at the, at the, now that I have a voice, next step is Zoom, put a face to it. Um, but okay. We're gonna, I think we're still mid council members' box. No, we, uh, a royal box. Oh, yeah, we no, are. No, no. We're mid-bock. We're mid-bock. We're mid-bock. Um, we took challenge to her saying, why wasn't there another budget, another plan ready to go? We addressed how that's not actually how it works. Everybody knows that. But, and it's the uncertainty. That's the first, the first theme. The uncertainty of what happens next. And, and that is going to be a big, a, a big point to this. And then also, you kind of just glossed over, you only want to take money from the police. Yes, that is kind of the logic point of this. But all right, let's listen to what else. For more funds for our other priorities besides the police budget. And the same people who have said we could get a better deal have been saying that we should be skeptical about the police cuts already proposed by the administration because they are allowed by law to overspend their police budget. So which is it? Are such cuts real or imaginary? And in this city, not just in this country, in this city, we spend too much of that over policing our black and brown communities. So we urgently need to make this shift. In a moment such as this one, we feel the urgency of immediate change. We have a responsibility to city workers and advocates alike, however, to lay out a meaningful timeline for such shifts and to acknowledge that we need to plan, change contracts, use attrition strategically, 
and do the other things that you do in order to turn a big ship in order to achieve this kind of organizational restructuring. Okay. Two different points that she made there. The first was she was talking about the overtime budget. And this is why, one, I think just rhetorically, pointing to a $60 million pot of money versus the total $470 million of money is just like we, like we need to look at the big pot, not the side pot. Right. But the reason that Charlie Baker was willing to take back his budget, make it, it was $12 million, a $12 million reduction of overtime and then spread that money out, is because the overtime budget is fluid. And what I mean by that is the police go over it almost every year and they still get paid. So if I yeah. if, if I if I want to help the police and I'm Marty Walsh, I sit down with them and be like, oh, hey, listen, we like we got to like at least make it look like we're taking a cut. Somebody says, oh, take it from the overtime budget because we're going to bill you in anyway and you have to pay. Oh, great idea. Everyone fine with that because everyone still gets paid. Awesome. So um, when Kenzie says some of our fellow council members have said that that overtime is like imaginary. And then, she, and then she says, well, what is it? Is it real or imaginary? Like the, the reason she is, she's creating that wedge is to basically say, oh, but you're also saying if we take more money that now that's real. And this is why I don't like us just focusing on the overtime budget, right. but it's real if we take the money from their actual budget. Right. <laughs> or if, if they just got rid of all, from sixty million to fifty to one million, and we got fifty nine million out of that. I I will still say, from the left standpoint, that's not enough. But that's still a four times increase of what we just got. Right. Um. Oh, the second thing that she ended it with, and this uh, the other council members who voted for this budget said it too, is like we need time to plan. We need a timeline. We need to be strategic. Well, and the reason that is wrong. it's not because obviously in principle like taking your time and having a plan is wrong in and of itself it is and it has to do with how do you think change occurs do you think it's a a, uh, our elected officials just being really smart with the budget no like knowing like where to take the money from where to tax what or is it if you have tens of thousands of people (laughs) screaming every day marching through the streets demanding it that amount of public pressure that is why they missed the window. Yeah, exactly. They could have done it. Like This would have been a huge victory, and everybody would have had more faith in the city council. Because the side plan that she brings up, and I probably should have clipped it, but people can say I'm being disingenuous, whatever, is basically let's do another year of hearings oh, God. and then try. But you were never going to maintain that level of public pressure that we've experienced in the last month unless you did it now, not a year from now. We got another call. Oh, that's good. That's just going to leave you lots of presents and maybe even a little something extra from me. Thank (laughs) you for being so good. And I'll see you next year. Goodbye and Merry Christmas. (laughs) What just happened? (laughs) I wish we got the full thing, though. It sounded like we answered it midstream. Okay, so Santa Claus just got. I'm so confused. Was that the Christmas poo? From South Park? I'm not sure. I have no idea what that was. I'm dying right now. This um, okay, that all was right. good. All right. Let's, okay, I'm sick of Kenzie Bockle. Okay. Um, all right, let's, let's go to the big one. Oh, Lydia? Yeah. Liz? Okay. Let's um, start with Lydia. Yeah. He's into Liz. Um, and, then, yeah, and then you can kind of steer who after this. So, um, I might cry. We'll see. Um, so, council member uh, Lydia Edwards... I think probably after Michelle 
Um, is... Who? I actually liked her better than Michelle Wu for a long time, and now I feel. Um, is is like viewed as one of the left progressive quote unquote champions of the Boston City Council. She's very outspoken against like the Eversource uh, right. station there. Suffolk Downs um, stuff. She makes. Um, affordable housing, one of her top issues. I think, like, maybe if if I had, I, I think I might disagree with her on some stuff on like the Suffolk Downs development in terms of how much she's like willing to work with it, um, with that, uh, that company and with within that project. Like, like, so maybe we disagree on the edges there, but affordable housing, um, environmental issues, um, all that. Um, it's not just her vote that I was very disappointed with. While I was doing this, I kept like a little sheet and then I, was guessing, almost writing ahead of time where I thought they were going to vote, and th- yeah, and, you were live tweeting it. And, yeah, and I was I live was tweeting it, and like I would have the tweet marching. ready. Um, and this one I got wrong. I um, I really thought she was going to follow. She um, released a statement though, like the day before, that was. Well, we're gonna we're gonna okay. get to some stuff. Okay, but let's let's listen to Councilmember Edwards. Let's take into account again. I'm going to try to preface as much as I can. This is not her full statement. Go watch her full statement. This edited clips consecutively i don't like go back and forth and rearrange words um she starts by thanking the amount of people that reached out to her saying that she will get back i did not add this but she that. and now let's listen this moment as many of my colleagues have said this is something special about today and this time and this budget this is not the time to shy away this is the time to rise to the occasion This is the time to hear the call, and the call is for structural change. I want to say I hear that call, and I've heard that call many times. I want to thank Councillor Bach for her proposal for how to answer that structural change. Her proposal is called leadership. But I want to be clear, I am really disappointed that this conversation seems to have pitted those social services and those people of color um, against the police. That is disappointing. The question before us is, does an up or down vote give us structural change? The answer is no, neither one actually does it. Neither one makes black or brown people more free, solves poverty, ends homelessness, reforms one police officer, or even defunds the police. Neither decision. Voting no on this year's budget is not going to bring about systemic change that we need at this time. And I don't think any of my colleagues have said that. It's about the statement of what that no means. Now, Uh, to those- You cut it right there? Okay, because I I don't want us to get lost too much. Right now- It's easy to get lost. Right now, (laughs) how do you think she's gonna vote? Yes, she's talking a lot, but she's not saying anything. I mean, but no, but even that, or like, vote no, so, based on that. Yeah, so even like, at, like at this point, because she began it again, thinking for the public outcry. Both sides and I would actually like. I don't know. I wish I had a better relationship with her. I, um, or just a relationship I've with seen her. her. I've seen her at the um, rallies in East Boston. No, no, I've seen her. Like, like, I mean, I, I think maybe I've had like one sixty-second conversation. Um, to know how much was she going off script and how much of this did she have written out? Because like a lot of the council members had a prepared statement and you could see them like reading it while they're going. Because obviously this was like something that you had to put a lot of time into. Because you can, she talks about structural change and now because of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, that word, those words have no meaning. Nothing uh, she said had any meaning in that statement. No, well, not yet. 
You've been too hard on them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, think, I, feel, I feel a lot of things about this because, season. like, I was. Very... I, I can like I can't even explain to you what structural change means anymore because everyone uses it now. It, it, like it's lost meaning. But she says a yes note or a no vote is not going to achieve structural change. Neither of them does. Um, like a no vote turning down this budget is not going to like end racism, solve poverty. And then it's she says, budget. and I don't it's think, budget. and I don't think any of the council members are saying that. So she missed that. So then why are you bringing it up? I don't know. No, but like it's all kind of setting a scene of one of my larger problems with her statement was let's just keep going. I just I wanted to address those two things. Oh no, no. And one of the things she said was that she's very disappointed how this conversation has pitted people of color against the police. She today or yesterday released another statement that I I don't know, maybe we'll read it later if, if people keep calling. Evan, we just need to play the rest of it. And we go later. But basically, she she released another thing that was very... Her and Frank Baker released almost the identical op-ed that said, Black Lives Matter, and we can love the police, and we yes. can do everything together. Yes. Her statement of, I don't, I'm disappointed that this conversation has pitted people of color against the police, and her recent thing afterwards makes me just question a lot what her views are in terms of the role of the police in our society. Or who got to her. I'll just, I'll just say that. Or just the role of police in our society. I'm just very, uh, just from these two things. Um, oh, but okay, let's, let's keep, let's keep going. Let's just go, let's get it over this time. And I don't think any of my colleagues have said that. It's about the statement of what that no means. Now, to those who are disappointed or wanted me to vote absolutely no with no conditions, I would say you're more disappointed, or you should be more disappointed, because you place your beliefs for systemic reform in the and hopes for systemic reform in a flawed, oppressive process. You thought we could undo the master's house with the master's tools. All right. All right. Oh my All right. God! You got that. Okay. This this was actually probably for me. Ugh. I'm going to use the word hurtful. As someone who the last two to three years of my life has been basically dedicated my life, my time, um, try, trying to achieve big structural change <laughs> and, and doing that in a myriad of different tactics. And, and what it sounds like she's addressing is the people that have been reaching out to her, the public outcry. It's insulting, sorry. Is when, is insulting. Then she says that basically you were wrong for thinking that all of that was going to do anything. This is like something an evil, like like a bad guy at the end of a movie when you finally see him like, ha ha, you thought you could win? Like it's so, it's so... And I'm going to get to the quote she It's gave. offensive, it's offensive. Um, the master tools with the master house. But basically, like, what that segment right there sounded to me is like when I'm having drinks with like some of the far left people within DSA. After Bernie loses. Yeah, no, 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 great. No, no, that's a perfect example. Um, after Bernie loses and like, like not rubbing it in again, comrades, friends, just being like, do you really thought like you're going to do anything with electoral politics? Really? That's what I say to you all, all the time. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and honestly, and I'll, t I'll take that from you. I'll, yeah, but I'll I'm take, not an elected official, well, so I'll take that from people knocking on tenant. Like, I don't take that from everyone. If you were building tenant unions, you can say that to me every day, or like organizing a workplace. I will take that critique from you every day. But if you're an elected official, right? What are you doing there? It sounds like I'm going to use the word confusing because she she says a quote: "The master's tools are the master's house," which, and I I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but I 
don't know how she's using that. I'm sure she knows this history too. So I'm not like she ran for office saying she would use these tools that she's referring to to fix this. But, you know but, 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 but that quote is often very, very misused. It doesn't mean I'm now just going to imagine you said it to me about electoral politics. It doesn't mean I wouldn't say something you, like that. you thought elections <laughs> could overthrow capitalism, but elections are part of the capitalist system. Therefore, how could elections overthrow capitalism? That is that quote, the master tools and master's house, my recollection of it, my knowledge of it comes from Audre Lorde, a, Black feminist, um, lesbian poet, because she normally goes by that phrase from like the 1980s, basically talking about how the rise of the feminist movement was completely alienating people of color, uh, the LGBTQ community, poor people, right. and saying you cannot have a feminist ideology, academia structure that just mimics the white supremacist patriarch. You cannot use that structure because that is the tool of the master's house. Okay, but okay. Yes. <laughs> no, but like. Okay, you're looking far, far too into it because you know what? What she said was next to nothing. She said a lot of words, but she didn't actually say anything. And everything that she said, no matter how you read into it, is deeply, deeply depressing. That, that was like, the most depressing part. The whole thing is just like, you know what? Well, you're the person people elected and asked you to do something. And for you to say, no, it doesn't work anyway. I'm just not going to do what the people demand. Thousands of people marching the streets every day demand. That's a pop out and like a weak move. Yeah. Um, and it's like, there's no other way around this. I might be too hard on her. I, maybe you have to stop, talk to her again in the future. I don't. So, um, you know, like I'm going to say it. I saw her speaking about a lot of great things out, out on uh, East Boston the other day about trauma, about, you know, um, you know, about, like, Black Lives Matter stuff, about trauma from the police, trauma for women. You can't ignore, you know, the plight of immigrants, the plight of women, the plight of gay, trans people, all of this. And then, you know what? Now I go back and listen to that speech. It just sounds like a lot of words to me. And it really affected me when she spoke it then, too. So I'm, I'm, I am hurt by it. And I'm not even a black person. You know, I've got my own privilege, right? But I feel like, I feel like this person just talks. This person um, just talks. That's that's the conclusion. I I've know. Come I to. I know. I kept her ending because her ending was also very personal to her. And yeah, I, you can I, bring that out. You can bring that out as a weapon and, if you have to. Apparently, and I'm not gonna comment on it. Um, but her, let's, let's keep it going. With the master's tools, we cannot. Unfortunately, too many of the folks who want to no vote were okay with layoffs. Some layoffs of some of the unsung heroes that Councilor Flynn discussed, Hokies part-time workers, seasonal workers, some of the youngest workers who aren't yet actually protected by the union. If you'll note the saying, last in, it's first out, is oftentimes the most diverse workforce and the youngest. Those, who's, those are whose jobs we're gonna play Russian roulette with in a pandemic, in a recession. And I'm not willing to treat those workers as cannon fodder in any cultural war. It's interesting that so many people truly believe as I do that people closest to the pain should be closest to the power. I believe that 100%. This is not a call to say not to do that. So I'm wondering when those folks were saying cut the budget and they heard about layoffs, how many of them turned to those people who were gonna be close to that pain and asked them what they thought about the layoffs? How many of them were part of this decision that they were gonna be the ones that could be sacrificed? I'm curious with the grassroots movement, how many workers were asked, what are your opinions? All right, Herb, can you cut that? I'm being a voice. Okay. So this is the part. I'm, 
I'm going to use the word disingenuous, and I don't know if that's accurate. But this segment that she's now... <laughs> it's absolutely accurate, <laughs> Evan. Segment... Can you stop trying No, no, no. no I'm going to keep... Um, this se... <laughs> that segment, basically, to summarize it, is um, people are going to lose their jobs if we go to the 112 budget. Why didn't you, or did you, or challenging this grass move, grassroots movement, why or how many conversations did you have with those workers who are going to lose their jobs? Right? Am I, am I describing what she just said accurately? Yes, but what? Okay. But what work? No, no, no. <laughs> what employees were going to lose their job? That's what I was asking. <laughs> because I don't know that. I'm going to just assume the grassroots leaders don't know that. And the reason I'm assuming that is because two days before this, Lydia Edwards says, and now I'm quoting, um, let's see, um, if the council rejected the proposal, like, uh, this is now like a reporter saying it, um, I'll, I'll read the whole thing so I don't misquote. Council Lydia Edwards said that while the budget has come a long way, she is concerned about what she calls the administration's inability to explain the worst case scenario. If the council rejected the proposal, she wants to know who would lose their jobs, how many jobs would be lost, and whether employees that were let go because of that move would eventually be rehired. Um, and then she says, the budget doesn't answer for a, the cry of a lot of systematic changes people want, and it's frustrating. But right there, two days before this vote, or maybe it was even one day before this vote, Lydia Edwards is saying she's mad at Marty because Marty is not telling her who is going to lose their jobs. That's that level of uncertainty that they use as like a gun to someone's head. But right. now Lydia, who, to, who the day before said that she doesn't even know, is now kind of challenging and accusing the grassroots movement of why didn't you ask the people who are going to lose their jobs? What people are going to lose their jobs? It, it, but that's the big thing. <laughs> right. And, it, it's, and she definitely knows that we don't know the cuts because Marty is hiding it. And this is what always happens. And this is why you can't blink. This is the frustrating part of it is that – Marty will always submit a budget and then say, if you don't pass this, people are going to lose their jobs. Well, play chicken a little harder. No, no. And that's basically it. Because then the city council doesn't pass it. We go to the one twelfth, the stopgap measure. Marty then has to write up another budget and resubmit it. And now it becomes a messaging game. And this is what politics is. Marty is going to say the far left liberals on the Boston City Council threw away the budget and got you all fired. And then we say, the city council members say, Marty submitted an incredibly racist, authoritarian uh, budget which gave the police everything and starved our education systems. Right, which is actually what happened. And now it becomes a media narrative, and the city council had tens of thousands of people who would have echoed that fight. And you lost that now. Yes. You don't get that from a year of budget hearings throughout the course of it. You lost the entire last month of this movement, which helps you win the media narrative. So the gun that is to your head, that is also to Marty's head. And we direct it towards him. We continue to protest his house. That's how change works. You're which not... we're doing. No, still, but now it's going to be a, a right. year of This it. was a chance, yeah. And this was the chance of it. And that's the most frustrating part of it. Is It's just like you lost the moment. Maybe people are still pissed. Like, uh, I'm glad I went to the protest immediately afterwards. And the person said, if we get a march for a thousand days, we'll march for a thousand days. And I admire people who have that spirit. But, like, you lost the moment. That's the windup of the bat that we were leading towards to help you win that messaging war. That is the next step. It was a messaging war between us and Marty Walsh. And you blinked and you gave it up and they won. That is why I'm so pissed. Is there any more... <laughs> It's not going to be okay, Evan. No more from Lydia. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, okay. 
feel a little better? No, I do. I think I just needed to say that. That's wow. Um, I felt that. You guys, if you were here in this room, you would feel this like tension and release. No, but that's like, how it works. And, and, I know. And it's, it's theory of change. And maybe that's why Liz is also like kind of hurt. Because it, it didn't. Liz is hurt because that's my girl and not so much. Yeah, let's just do Liz. Let's just get all the let's negative. Just get, can you just can because, you just do Liz? I don't even want to do Because then Liz. the next two are pretty happy. Let's do. Um, yeah, we gotta get to gotta get to Julia. So uh, Councilmember Liz Brearden, again, I'm not personalizing milk it. To- milk can, toast. Milk it toast. Um, she I thought was gonna vote uh vote no on the budget. This is the one I I like really had faith in that. Yeah. Um, let's listen to what she has to say. I don't know. Councillor Edwards and Councillor Bach in particular, that rather than throwing it all to the wind and taking a chance that we can execute change in this moment, that this budget lays the foundation for lasting change for our city going forward if we are prepared to do the hard work that it will take to make that change happen. I want to assure I want to assure my colleagues of color that I will work alongside you and support the policy roadmap that was laid out by uh, our Madam President last week in her letter to the mayor that I signed on to. There is so much work to be done, and I am prepared to put my shoulder to the wheel and partner with you to address the systemic racism in our city. It is real, it is impacting the lives of so many people here, and it needs to be resolved. All right, well, for comedic effect, Lauren keeps trying to figure out what I'm, like, scratching. Dude, he <laughs> is writing in another alien language I'm just there. like, I just wrote, you won't be able to understand my notes. Which I also <laughs> wasn't able to understand when I read it. I was like... <laughs> um, but okay. Okay, so that was a whole lot of saying nothing also because there was no action on it. Like, this lady groundwork for nothing. And... Um, Disappointing. And now we have a pro-cop rally in Brighton next week. Lovely. It, um, it was definitely disappointing. I mean, obviously, because... We have what we'll, I'll call an interpersonal relationship um, with with Liz. And if it wasn't for COVID and some other stuff, uh, maybe I would have done a lot more public outreach to her directly and uh, some of the people that she works with um, to like, talk leading up to this. And just do, focusing on the streets because that, to me, is where change will um, always come first. But she follows on the same track that Lydia and Bach did, which is about like your theory of change. And, and she said it. She said, like, rather than taking the risk, like, rather than throwing stuff to the wind. What is it even? A, what and, even like, is no, no, the it, risk, it, though? Because ra- the not passing the budget, it, it carries a risk. And then again, it's just the mayor has a gun to his head. The city council has a gun to the head. And the entire thing is just oh, who blinks. Just and, pass and, and a what budget is the, the next week. It's not like the House of the U.S. Congress. They can always... Even them, they can do it when they need to. There's enough pressure, right? But like it's, it's this, rather, there's money exists. It's like, rather than it's rather than doing the unknown. I am smart enough that I will spend the next year creating the perfect budget. Oh, because now we trust you for that. <laughs> and then, and then the mayor will have to say yeah, and like that's just it's just not how it works. Nope, nope, nope. And again, uh, missed the moment. It uh, hurt on an interpersonal level. And yeah, it hurt on. Well, it didn't. So the thing is, I can also say, like, not to be like sitting here like bringing up old stuff, but um, I was right with who I supported in the primary at first. I just want to say that, you know, like I know there are people who ran. I live in Alston Brighton, so this is why it's, it affects me. I, I want to be proud of my city councilor. And generally with Liz, I have. I mean, I've, I've listened to a lot of hearings and I've been like, okay, she generally does vote in, in ways that I, I appreciate, I approve of. Um, but, you know, we elected somebody that was supposed to be something progressive and would stand on the side of people and then... Just saved. 
Like what kind of, I, I don't know, there's a bunch of caving. And you, is it because Austin Brighton's too quiet for the Black Lives Matter stuff? Is because, you know, our district's very quiet compared to Dorchester or whatever? I don't know. I, and again, I, the Loud Districts had city councilors that cave too. So. Yeah, and I, I think it has a lot to do with um, what someone's theory of change is. And uh, to, to what, um, how do you view the office? Um, actually, is it too hard to go back to Lydia? Because I didn't actually let her to do her answer. No, I don't want to. No, no, no. Uh, it, okay. Yeah, it's more. All right. Huh? Um, how long is the whole this clip? This moment, as many of my colleagues have said, this is something special about today and this time and this budget. <sighs> this is not the Give her time like the ending 30 away. seconds of the clip. This is the time to Because she says something that is relevant how to How many of them doing. were part of this decision that yeah, they were going to be the ones that could be sacrificed? I'm curious. With the grassroots movement, how many workers were asked, what are your opinions? What? I'm being a voice and not an echo. I stand in my own two feet. I don't need the hashtags. I don't need the, the talking points. I don't need those things because I'm very clear and I'm direct with where I stand and for whom. I have been consistent and I will hold my rec up to, record up to any one of my colleagues about pushing for structural change from day one and getting it done. I challenge anyone to question my character and I'll be damned if anyone questions my blackness or my solidarity for people of color in any way, shape or form based on any vote I take as a city councilor. You do not, you need to stand down. I have gotten ridiculous text messages, horrific things said about me. And let me tell you something, still I rise. Okay, that was the ending. I felt mm. like she deserved to say the ending part. I don't think anyone listens to me on my view of person of color in office and challenges people use that identity and are you living up to that identity? I don't think anyone looks to me for my, my guidance on that. So uh, I just felt that she had the right to say that. The part that I, I disagreed with what she said, and, and the first word was cut out, but it, it leads to theory of change thing, is I'm a voice, not an echo. I stand on my own two feet. And I want people to remember that statement and contrasting that now. Um, let's go with Michelle Wu. Yeah, there we go. Um, again, does change come from a few smart people in office? Is it is your voice, your two feet? Or like, where does power and change and is the role of the office in the office i think michelle and uh julia julia i'm like ending with julia because she does an incredible job we all this. we all know we love julia um everybody julia. i mean uh, like, she was like she works for like mtv when she was like 15 we years all old. love julia. like like julia yeah. has incredible messaging and um yeah but julia's been voting the right way too she has um, and really bringing up great questions but for right now we're her. talking about future mayor of boston um uh, well yeah Wu. yeah okay. so let's listen to what the future mayor has to say this council has taken legislative steps and has voted time and again on non-binding resolutions that express our support for equity and justice. Yet passing this budget is a message to those calling for equity, justice, relief in our streets, those who have reached out to us by the tens of thousands, and especially those who aren't connected enough to reach out to their city councilors. It's a message that they should be satisfied with incremental change, and yes, crumbs. I refuse to be complicit in the inertia of delaying structural change as too expensive, too scary, not quite the right timing. 
I say when we deny ourselves the chance to act, we pass on another share of that burden to the next generation, to all of our kids. So most of all, we must be honest with our constituents and ourselves. We will not solve all the city's challenges by June 30th. We won't end systemic racism this next fiscal year, but no one is asking us to. What we owe our constituents and our communities is to deliver the measure of justice, equity, and relief that meets this moment. Our role in the process as a city council is to fight for progress and hold the administration accountable to the standards that our residents deserve. When the administration chooses to run out the clock with impending fear of layoffs and cuts, our role first is to tell the truth. Just because some might think it unlikely or hard to come to a better agreement through moving to a provisional budget temporarily doesn't mean it's acceptable for us to hide that option under a veil of fear-mongering, with administration officials suggesting falsely to city workers that they will be laid off immediately starting July 1st. I, for one, am expecting no shortcut, but the roadmap that our residents deserve. And to be clear, that residents and organizers in our communities have been offering up for decades and generations. At the okay. So, the, the reason I, I cut those segments of hers is she's the only person, to my knowledge, after watching it for four and a half, that mentioned streets of like the of where is this call coming from? Right. And she actually said, like, I, I am responding to tens of thousands of yes. people marching in front of City Hall day after day, week after week. And she was out there in West Roxbury this week, last week, too. And um, yeah, and the thing is exactly what she said. Like now, like there was a moment where there's some... I wouldn't even call the change that big structural change, this saying no to a budget. Oh. It's not even actually a big change. It's just like then you have a chance to do that. What makes it a change is that of how unprecedented it is. Because, and Julia's about to. That's what we elected them for. And Julia's about to talk about this, which is. Oh, perfect timing. I I love when callers call in between the clips. Hello? Take it. Hello? Hello? Hi, who's this? This is Lee. How's it going? Lee, how are you Lee, doing? Lee, how's it going, man? Good, good. Well, I'm actually, I'm, I think I'm behind your uh, live show. Um, are you still talking about Michelle? Um, we, we, we just ended with Michelle, probably maybe one or two lasting comments. But um, what are you thinking? What do you oh, feel? Man? Yes, we would love to. What, what do you got to say, Lee? What, how's it going? Oh, okay, good. Oh, no. Um, so, a couple things. There was, so you know, with, uh, yes, on the Monday, um, the whole Monday budget discussion, uh, like seven hours long, that hearing that occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, during that, that's when Lydia, Michelle, Wu, they were both asking, you know, like, where, what exactly are these cuts that folks are talking about? And so, the next day, um, the mayor's office, the administration reached out and sent us this, uh, this spreadsheet that sort of detailed exactly where, where those cuts would be coming from department-wise, as well as the jobs that won't be paid for or departments that won't be created, such as like the, um, I, think, I think it was like the Office of Human Rights or something like that, like these offices that aren't in the 2020 budget that won't be created if the budget doesn't pass. And so, this is where the justification for Edwards' uh, vote and Bach and eventually Liz came from. Liz, being completely transparent, Liz's vote was dependent 
on Fox and Edward. And because Edwards went yes, that's why Liz went yes. I, I um just because, No no, I was gonna say that also came across um if you would listen to Liz's full clip, it was very clear that if the previous two went the other way, she was going to also. But I but, but keep going. Yeah. And so, so when when we when she's like, you know, those are the Lydia from the beginning has always been like pretty much her mentor at City Hall. And so one of the earliest discussions, like, well, not even earliest discussion, like Monday or so or Tuesday, that she was having when she was like on the fence because Liz was a no for two weeks. Right. She was a no yep. for two weeks. Right. And she didn't become a yes until Tuesday, the day before. And that's when the spreadsheet and, went out. Yeah. We're not on camera, right? Um, I am on camera. Lauren You're is on, on camera. Ca- we're on camera. We can only hear oh, your voice. We All don't right. know who you are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we can do like an FBI no. voice changer if you want. <laughs> sure. No. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, they were, it was mostly the influence. Uh, well, what happened also was there were a ton of unions, department heads, the mayor, and all kinds of folks who reached out to Liz to get her to vote yes, which was a thing that was happening around. And the, the reason behind that was the recession and COVID mm-hmm. and the uncertainty of what the new budget would potentially look like. Like, they were marking and we could lose every single game, including the cuts in the police department and in general, um, like all these new investments that were being made for like additional $9 million in affordable housing, all these different huge... Uh, investments that were being made in this new budget we would lose because the the uncertainty of what would happen after the 112 budget. There was also the issue of the state money. The state money, such as like the Promise Act, we're already having issues trying to get the Promise Act money for BPS. And so there were issues because the state's going to be in a deficit for a little bit, to, to say the least. And in our budget itself, probably is going to be impacted for the next couple of years. Like, I don't even think we'll get up to like, where we are, like, the one we are now until probably the 2023 budget. Because um, we still have a lot to recover from COVID. And so that was her rationale. Now, I disagreed. I wanted to know. I wanted to know in April, to be honest. I and Wayne, uh, oh, I'm not going to say this. Uh, my, our policy director... <laughs> Uh, we advocated with Liz to the very moment she went up to speak. We asked her, we kept begging, you know, like, hey, we want, you know, we think it's best if you go with no. Um, and the reason being is because we knew that there was the ramifications of her not voting for it at this point where people were going to look at her as being a person who wasn't completely down with the idea of revesting some police, which is something that she did she did endorse that she wants to do. But she saw a yes vote as something practical because she didn't want to lose she didn't want people to lose their jobs essentially. And so I like I said, I disagreed with her because I felt like the, the mayor could have came out of the budget the next day. Hmm. We could have had a negotiation and folks who it's like 
essentially the mayor could always use that same excuse, which you brought up earlier, Evan. The mayor could always use the same excuse that if we don't have a bunch of tasks, people will lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. So what's the use of having the city council vote if that's the case? Exactly. Maybe we should hold the, the vote higher earlier in the month, like the beginning of June. So that if there is a case where the, the, the council does not like the budget or vote down the budget, you have more weeks to play with instead of just one week. Right. And, and, and so, yeah. So, so you, um, I have three comments about what you just said. Um, you, you just went with my second one, which is basically there will always be a level of uncertainty. And and yeah. that pressure will always be used towards the city council. That's why like you wait until like the mayor gave them the last iteration. Like the the, the whole spreadsheet thing. Yeah, I'm to, curious. No, no, to me is funny <laughs> because it's just like, all right, well, if I'm Marty and I now need to convince the Boston City Council to pass my budget, I'm gonna make sure that this spreadsheet is scary as fuck. Right, exactly. <laughs> like I'm just gonna <laughs> like I'm gonna be like tens of thousands will die each. Day. Like I'm gonna make that as worse sounding as possible. But as I like we were mentioning earlier, like this is all going to be about, all right, and who's going to be put the blame for those consequences? Right. And then it becomes a media battle. Did the mayor submit a bad budget or is the city council being unreasonable? And I, I, I just still feel that, and there's a, another point specifically about Liz's vote, but I just feel like with this level of public support, the council could have won that media mm-hmm. battle and they decided instead to cave under the, pressure that could exist rather than just saying no we're going to go with the pressure let's see who blinks first i agree um i i have one thought uh, i i have a question um about mm-hmm. liz's vote but lauren did you have something oh no i have a question too but it's probably the same question so go well so <laughs> i mean like uh, like obviously like i mean i i don't know if you could literally have been texting her during this but after lydia Went to pass the budget. Ken's and it was funny. Like we watching this too. And uh, at first, Lydia's Zoom wasn't working, so like she was supposed to talk. And then, oh, we can't get her. Somebody else go. Oh, we can't. And like, it, like that added to the tension of this moment. I'm kind of glad I was at like three um, protests that day. Jeez. But after Kenzie and Lydia both said pass the budget, I don't think there was anyone from Liz on that was like on the fence. And what I mean by that is, why didn't Liz at that moment still vote not to pass the budget, knowing that there was already enough votes in the bag that the budget would pass? Right. So that she could have protected her left flank, communicated to the people who've been reaching out to her about defunding, show her seriousness to this, and not have to face any of the negative consequences of what could have happened. Is it, without me speculating... Any idea on that one? I actually don't, you know, to be honest, I don't know. Like, I, so when it came to, like, her her speech, uh, her, her initial, you know, her final vote and everything, the staff didn't participate in that. Um, she did that on her own. Um, and what we, what we hope from her was to have more, you know, open dialogue to really craft a speech that we felt was more encompassing of what could happen. Like, like our policy director was hoping to make a speech, like make two speeches, depending on if she voted yes or no. Um, 
and we, you know, I even, you know, once the votes came in, I, you know, we both reached out to her and we were like, hey, it's already a yes vote. Just go with no. Right, okay. right. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. Like, exactly. Brighton would be like, so like happy. you already yeah, had it. Yeah, like, yeah. Was there... Was there so much? Of course, the, the unions um, are, are going to pressure um, her to, to pass the budget and all that. And like, is it? Do you think she was responding? And again, if you're not comfortable speculating, you fully understand that. Do you think it was just like she she responded to that pressure more than the pressure of people who wanted her to defund? Or she's squatting well, with like Lydia and Kenzie. You know, like they want to like be on the same page. Maybe I don't know. That's my speculation. Yeah, it's also like when, you know, it's a mix of both. Like, I don't think, I think the practicality of for sure money over maybe money in her mind was explained to her by others is why she voted that way and kept her vote that way. She wanted to support that theory. Uh, we should look at what we have now and the, the increases that the mayor proposed in certain things now. Uh, and yeah. then still, she still wanted to address like, hey, we're still going to handle these things that folks brought up. We just can't do it with this budget itself. Yeah. Like just the budget vote itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. That's why I said it was a very milk toast. So we're going to have another year of hearings. <laughs> and um, maybe we'll get $20 million from the overtime budget. <laughs> Which is like three oh, yeah. percent of the total budget. Someone who has a calculator, tell me what that thing is. Like, like we're gonna wait a year to get like a three to four percent reduction of a police budget, mm, which yeah. probably when you match it with inflation and stuff, it's gonna change. like still be yeah. dollar for dollar the same. So, um, I don't know. I I still really feel that they 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 missed the political moment completely. They done goofed. And. Like um, Liz ended with with these statements, and Lydia echoed them a lot. Like, and now we're gonna do the work. Can you tell me what that is? Yeah, exactly. What's <laughs> because, next? Because what I doing? like I like I've been doing the work for a while. I haven't did like like. So are we just gonna show up to hearings now and just do like ten hours of public well, testimony? Well, they did they did ban facial recognition that day, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's great. You like, that's something we've been working on for like twenty years, Evan. Okay, well, that was actually well, pretty for, cool. Okay, hold on. Before we, <laughs> Unless Lee, do you want to pivot to that? Whatever last thing I just said that I already forgot. Oh, sorry. <laughs> now you distracted no, no, me. No. I, I have stuff on that too. I think, folks, you know, when you're going to these hearings and you're doing these ordinances every day, uh, like hearings for ordinances or just hearing orders in general, I think you you start to get uh, into your mind that you're doing a lot of work, mm-hmm. and a lot of hearings are just discussions yeah. that don't really amount to anything. It's a I, I I don't want to discourage people from participating, but it's like it's a busy box. Yeah. Because, because, like, what matters is the, is the payment at the end of the day. <laughs> you can have all the public <laughs> testimony you want. No, and so I think with the some of the hearing, uh, well, some of the ordinances that were coming out, I think that's the direction that she should she's pointing in that she's emphasizing, especially like oh, creating a, a separate department that handles non nonviolent calls that uh, Edwards, uh, Wu, and Mejia are proposing. Um, also, of course, the ban on the facial recognition technology. Folks really were happy about that. Yeah. And then there's like a few other few other big ordinances that have come out in the last couple of weeks that folks are really pushing behind. Like one of the areas that Liz actually even pushed behind is the um, raising the age of juvenile justice jurisdiction, which is a state level issue, 
but having that discussion on the uh, city level. And there was also a resolution at the state house that she she sponsored a resolution to go up to the state house and be the entire council voted for was something that our rep Liz Miranda is working on, which uh, actually has the state say, hey, we're going to get rid of all those weapons like, you know, tear gas, rubber bullets and all that and ban it at the state level. So Boston couldn't use it. So it was like stuff like that. That's what she's hoping, you know, like this is the kind of work that we're hoping to communicate to folks. I I think the speech could have emphasized that kind of work a little bit better, but I still would have been, I still thought a no vote was the best idea politically. Um, I, I, yep, I, those things to. are nice, but I still feel like. Um, well, it's it, also like <laughs> big things coming, y'all. Like, just wait what we're going to do. Yeah, right? We need to see. We just, you know, yeah. really um, But am I right on the facial rec- uh, recognition software that one, it has to get um, approved by Marty, like he can veto it? Two, um, it, it just prevents um, civil employees, the Boston Police Department, from using it. Department of Homeland Security can still do whatever they want in Boston. ICE can still do whatever they want in Boston. The feds can still do whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, that would that's yes. No, okay, I think I that's just, true. Yeah. Okay, I just. But it, the, with that, I, I, mean, write, I think that'll that'll prevent a lot of data from going to brick. Yeah, probably. So, Again, it's a good thing. I'm just I'm not yeah. like right, like right now after we could have like Kate on to talk about that. Uh, yeah, I could right, get, I could get really into that. I would love that. In an hour and a half of bashing them, I don't want to then compliment them on something. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah. You are awarded no Listen, points. Listen, this is a fight that's been going on for like no, 10 yeah. years. No, and, and like, and um, I also remember Wu said that too. Like, like this stuff isn't new. No. Like, like just the fact that it, like, just the fact that I now tweet about it nonstop the last month doesn't mean there weren't people before me who's been doing this for like decades. That was like sprinkles like on like a yeah. shitty pile of spaghetti. Just like a little bit of extra, um. extra happy <laughs> sprinkles on top that day. I was like, oh, at least they banned facial recognition software while we're all out there at the protest wearing masks anyway. Yeah. Um, uh. Well, we still have Julia's clip. Um, yeah. Did you have any lasting comments, Lee? That was player three. Uh, he's, he's asleep. Uh, nice. But no, uh, no, I'm, you know, that was pretty much it. Like, I just wanted to share that perspective, uh, get that information out there, um, and just say definitely hold everybody accountable. Um, I think a lot of folks got to recover from this. On the folks who voted yes, who lean more towards the progressive end, they definitely have to recover from this to, to prove all this shit that they were saying that we need to get things done. And so I need folks to hold their feet to the fire as much as you can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold my counsel to the fire. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping by the end of the year we can see some actual results occur. You think that's possible with this way? I mean, we'll see. We will judge momentum maybe more still like next week, I feel like. But I feel like out of sales. No, yeah. And like, like, it's like just... I feel like <laughs> because like the biggest Julia's about to say this. The biggest power they have is just a yes and no on the budget. And so if you're not going to use that, like, yeah. like how much effort am I going to put into a council member for, like, have another hearing or push more for this? If at the end of the day, you're going to blink and not use really the only weapon you have. Like, I, I could do that now for another year. Like, it's a, it, when you, like, tens of thousands of people marching in the streets, that wasn't enough to tell you, like, what to They're do. They're waiting for everybody to get their jobs back so they don't have to deal with it anymore. No, no, <laughs> like, like, Lee is 100% correct. The next... <laughs> Three to five years of city and state budgets is going to look like complete shit show, and that's why we needed to win arguments. If all the money has to be taken from the police, 
And yep. if you don't win that argument right now, delaying it a year is only going to make things harder and people are going to be more desperate, more austere, less willing to take risks. So I don't know. It's like, no, okay. Now you're depressed. What happened? I was almost happy. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thank you for calling in, Lee. Lee, it's good to hey, hear no from you. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, yeah, take care. Tell your wife and baby we said hello. Okay, bye. <laughs> Lee got me depressed. Oh, you were so happy for a minute. <laughs> no, I, once I got it out originally. You could feel the pressure no, because, changing because, in this room. Because Lee reminded reminded us of, like, there's no money coming in. And, like, one of the best arguments they did have for passing it was they're going to give us different estimates and it's going to look more dire. So like, this is the largest kitty. So we should just take what we have now, which to me is still like, we like, you have to make big moves right now. Like you can't be afraid. And if we're going to, if the kitty gets smaller, that means we're cutting more out of the police department's budget. Perfect. Like, and, and if you don't do that now with this amount of public support, telling people just wait, y'all big things coming. Big th- just so like give them a chance to do some sort of operation that makes it, their existence like like there's gonna be some kind of watch. Oh man, I'm gonna get into some Alex Jones territory. Marathon bombing, bam! Now everybody loves the police again, uh, and then now you can't cut their budget because some bullshit's gonna happen in well, Boston, and then now we're all gonna look at them good again. Everyone's gonna forget the Black Lives Matter like they matter like they always did. You completely use a year's worth of negotiation if you've already proven that you're gonna blink and fold your cards at the first sign of pressure. Yep. Yeah, this is supposed to be like, a new city council. Like you could get so much more done throughout the year. If Marty is entering into an election year and knows that you're willing to just not have a city budget, right? Like that—that—that that, that is how pressure is done. You, you, with the public support, you instead telling the mayor's office, "No, we're gonna cave. Never mind." Then, then like, why am I gonna sit in a negotiating table and do nothing but laugh at you if I know you're not gonna match me if to show in if I go all in? And that there's the left for you, folks. It's yeah, it's very frustrating. <laughs> Lee's apologizing. No, you're all right, Lee. I'll get happy again. Let's yeah. just get to side drinking. Yeah, we um, haven't we haven't been drinking. This is like the first show I'm sober on. Yeah, um, I'm drinking Pepsi and I'm still yelling like I'm. So I rode my motorcycle, beer. so I'm my I'm wearing my sleeveless shirts. Or I think it was Weber made a comment in the chat. Um, all right, but let, let, let's end with Julia. I won't interrupt her. She does a good two minutes. Look at you taking over my show. This is a I special edition show. At barbershops, at nail salons by clashing barbecues and baby showers. It is the people (laughs) and their voices that I'm carrying into this space. It is the people who put me in this seat that I am here to represent. And those people are my people. And those people are tired of dodging bullets. And those people are tired of waiting for change. I am no longer interested in having drip drop incremental changes that expect us to continue to hope and pray and wait some more about finally having the type of budget that really reflects the needs that our people find themselves into. I am very disappointed about the process of which the politics of politics have gone down. And as a first-term counselor, I've learned a lot about how negotiations happen and how every day we negotiate against ourselves. I am very disappointed to hear that if I don't vote in a particular way, that my constituents and the city services that they are looking for will be put on hold based on how I vote. 
I'm very disappointed to hear that I, if I vote against the mayor's budget, will be sending a signal that I'm against the mayor. This is not the mayor's budget. This is the people's budget. Get that clear. These are our tax dollars that we're talking about right now. And the thousands of emails that I've gotten from people speak to what we're here to do, which is to stand firm in our convictions and fight for those who put us in office. And while I understand this notion that we were being irresponsible about not approving a budget, I feel like if our role as a city council is to ensure that the budget is our biggest responsibility, then it is our, our, it is our responsibility to make sure that we vote on our values. And that is what I'm doing. If this is the one moment in time that I have to flex my little political power in this type of environment that I happen to find myself in, if the budget is the only way for me to do that, then I'm going to stand firm in that conviction and vote in the way that I feel best represents the needs of this time. Preach. That's right. <laughs> um, she, I, I love her ending to that. If, if she says, like, if this is why my one moment to flex this little political power, we all agree it's, it's a mayor centric system. The city council really doesn't have much power. So she's saying, if this is yes. the only power I have to flex whatever muscle I have, I'm going to use it. Right. Perfect. Get another caller. Let's take it. I think I know this. Hello? Hey, how's it going? It's Matt. <laughs> Matt, how are you? How are things? Well, I'm doing a lot better now that I heard that clip from Julia. Right? Yeah, so it's, very, it's very uplifting. Um, um, you, no, no, go, 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 please. No, I mean, that, that is exactly what you've been preaching and what uh, Lauren was just saying. This is, that is the role of a counselor. If we are going to waste all that time knocking doors, donating money, trying exactly. to get someone into office, um, we need them to be amplifying what people are doing in the streets. And I, you know, I completely agree with what you, uh, you both have been saying about the need, like this is a critical moment. Like what Councillor Edwards has said is absolutely true. This is a critical moment. There's so much energy making advance. And I just, I, you know, at, at the city level, at the state level, at the federal level, I just feel like I'm watching Democrats negotiate against themselves <laughs> over yeah. and over again and say, well, we can't, do, you know, we have one button to push. <laughs> we can't push that button. That would be irresponsible. Let's have a working group for the next year. Yep. Let's start with the compromise. Um, and, you know, it's what, it, what I guess I, the reason I wanted to call in was it's just I, I feel so demoralized after this week of listening to you know, basically how I think it, I think the most demoralizing thing is when people who are progressive and I totally believe that many of these yes votes, these people in their heart of hearts are progressives, want to pass all these policies and want to do what's right. Um, but it, it is actually so much more damaging when they get up to that scary moment where we need them to do something that is maybe risky at a negotiation or maybe is a little bit scary. Um, and and back down and tell us that actually you got to show up to a bunch of hearings because what that does is just pour cold water on everything. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to have, you know, you're not going to have nearly as Somerville had 400 people give public comment the other night on defunding the police. 
if the council kicks that down and doesn't do anything with it, you're not going to get 400 people every week. When, when will think you a lot hear of, that? that? That decision? I'm just curious. Uh, I think they're voting next week. Okay. Um, we'll see what happens after Saturday. That might affect. Yeah. I feel like there's still an opportunity to show something. I feel like there's still an opportunity at least pre-moralizing. Well, maybe in Somerville, but like... No, not in Boston, no. No, Boston's yeah, like, yeah. Like, like agreeing with everything you just said, like, that energy's gone. Like, yep. like No, it's not. The energy is there. Well, the people's energy well, yeah, is there. It, just, it, 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 it needs to culminate in something, and if you just said it's not going to culminate in, like, the one, as you just said, like, the one button we wanted you to press, then... I don't Can't know. somebody submit something? I mean, I don't even know yeah. how this works. Somebody's got to be able to submit for something. Boston. For Boston, that's done. Cambridge got how how many million got reallocated? Two point five. They reallocated uh, two point five million. That's it. Okay. Over to um, something. Yeah, with level funding, I think Cambridge suffered from having to go first. Cambridge voted, I think, a couple weeks ago. Yep. Um, yeah, I think there was a screening match. Tricky, but what I heard. Um, I just wanted to come back to one other thing too that was we talked about you got, you guys talked about earlier which was all the all the folks that are that so it was very clear right that Marty put out the call to have all of the all, all of the folks in his um who who depend on the budget to have them all call in and say you got to vote yes and I I mean I talked to a friend who works for a nonprofit which I will not disclose um who almost resigned the other day because uh, they found out that their executive director was arguing for a yes vote of all the counselors. And, and it's, it's like you think that you've got these great liberal progressive nonprofits in the city of Boston or in this uh -huh. state, and they're going to back you up. And maybe the unions are dirty or something, although I love unions. Um, <laughs> like they're all under the same pressure. And so like, you know, that, that is really toxic to me. Um, and I understand why they have to do it. Like they are dependent on the budget to have uh, continued operations. And it, it's just, it's so obvious to me that we need to be built, like building institutions and um, organizations where like we can all keep ourselves sane and, and not have to depend on a, a budget line item like this. Because if it's, if it always push comes to shove is going to be like your great progressive nonprofits, your unions, everyone else is going to, suddenly push for you not to do that one scary thing then uh maybe maybe um maybe we shouldn't bother with a city council or or any elections for that matter no no i mean like, like i'm like almost there no no but, like <laughs> that's absolutely that's absolutely like how i felt the last two days i'm just like 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 what's the point um like you know oh this is the most progressive city council in boston's history and all we're asking you to do right now is send the budget back and say marty try again and, and we're willing well, to have uh, like this and, pressure. And Minneapolis, and Minneapolis voted today, I think, or yesterday to abolish their police. Awesome. What's the difference? They burned a police station yeah. down. No, yeah. Maybe um, maybe that's more effective than can I'm not advocating to burn down a police hey, station. Hey, you said though. it, not me. So, um, But that seems to be the variable that's different here. Um, that would be mm -hmm. unfortunate if that's the only escape valve that, that our system is leaving people because yep. we don't yeah. need to do that. We can... We have a democracy. Well, I mean, I would love to see someone putting a call out there to do a study of what cities. I, I want to be careful of, of how we're framing it, but what cities experience the most public unrest? I'll call it that the most public unrest. And what did that result to in terms of reduction of police budgets?
and 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 how close are those two things correlated? Because I have to imagine, agreeing with what you just said, if Minneapolis, which is one of the major sites of a public um, uprising, had the biggest impact, Boston, we absolutely had some police escalation that resulted in pepper spray, tear gas. Yeah, that um, happens like every year. Police it's gonna vi- happen. Uh, police violence tomorrow. against people. <laughs> um, some broken windows. Couple uh, shops got raided, and and and, and that resulted in nothing really changing i'm not saying what would happen if people burned down a police station but i'm saying what would yeah. happen um i don't know any raise no. any raise of hope matt you can leave us oh wait did you think going in they were going to pass it or decline it oh i definitely thought they were going to pass it going okay. into it yeah me too. so this is and... why i just stay on the streets i don't want to deal yeah because i mean and i you know i get that there's a real a real challenge there. Like I get that you see that spreadsheet and you're really scared, but I still mm. think, you know, when the boss does that to, to workers in yeah. private sector, what do they do? Well, like sometimes a worker will get fired temporarily. And then you say, Linda or Charles or Bob, uh, is this great worker? We're going to bring him out to the picket line. We're going to bring her out and talk about how mayor Marty Walsh just fired Linda. That's right. yeah. Linda's story. Linda is great. And why did he fire her? Because, some counselors told him to cut the police budget and he said no. Yeah. And right. like you make that the story, like you're absolutely right. We you would be winning every night on the news mm-hmm. that it Especially was Especially when we like we have thousands, tens of thousands of people who are willing to be that like never have we ha- have I lived through a moment of this amount of political awareness around a single issue demanding something concretely measurable. Like you had they had the uh, the Twitter army. They had the people that will call into the <laughs> right. NPR stations like to ha- to win that media n- message. Marty is going into an election year, probably gets Michelle for next year. Like you could, like that was the easiest that, that, might that be, we're gonna have. That might be one silver lining. I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like Michelle came out looking pretty good. We'll say she she seems um, out of touch with the left progressive council that voted to pass the budget. So. <laughs> I actually, I that's the one person who I thought higher of after all that. Actually, Michelle, no, I yeah. thought she was a good. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, we always love Julia, so that's like kind of was. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the next step is for Boston. Um, besides just go out tomorrow and protest some more. That's my plan. I'll uh, be out there. That's gonna oh, be. Yeah. It's, that's where we should be. Everyone should be out. Every at the, be, where is it? The Gould Memorial tomorrow. I don't even know what memorial that is, but it's somewhere near the common. I'm about to plug it in a minute. Yeah. Um, if Evan ever gets through the city council. Our show. It's funny because I even had You're, more stuff. I, 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 I gonna, told him to cut it. I'm like, no, we can't do this. I was all gonna night. talk about uh, charter reform because Lydia Edwards pointed no, to uh, that. And we're not gonna. I'm not gonna. Evan, we can't. This I'm is my show. Right I'm not going. To I'm it. not here to be made <laughs> sportive. I was gonna. Be put to I was sleep. gonna talk about charter reform and like how long that process. You want takes. a show? No. You can have your own show. No. I can't, I don't my even show know. is I play video games. People, can, you can. If, hey, here's my plug. But Sophia News, you get to watch my face play okay, video games, we'll and I won't it. talk to the camera. We'll plug it. Uh, Matt, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, what are you plugging? I'm not. I'm not plugging anything right now. All right. Um, I'll let you go and finish more of your clips. But we'll and, see you uh, on the streets tomorrow. Absolutely. Oh yeah. All right. That's take care, Matt. Thanks take care. Time. Keep doing what you're doing. This is a great show. Thanks. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yeah, we love it. We have uh, a lot of calls tonight. I feel good. So yeah, is, ever, I, is everyone just doing it to make me make us do our show again, or do they actually? Want- I think a lot of people were also angry and upset, I and know. we don't have a left media outlet to like just yeah. to vent besides tweet like tweeting, but 
yeah that's what we're doing, doing it live so. um yeah, no, no that was good. that I'm was glad it. That, i'm glad i don't have like, it in me to, to discuss chata reform I, we're not discussing <laughs> i can't like this is like okay if, unless you make it really really sexy i can't then yeah don't no even. no i mean i can i just i need more time and energy to do okay, it okay maybe next week yeah we'll if see. we do a show next if we'll say this was a special edition episode i actually have like a show planned for next week so i think we might do a show next week all right Anything to plug? You want to talk more about protests? Oh, yeah, yes. I'm Co- now passing the baton. I'm done with my rant. All right. I let Evan do his thing for like an entire night. Um, Because, you know. I had a lot to say. He had to. I was. Sc- I know. I, I, I feel like I, we. I know. I got trashed Wednesday night. I then went biking, just screaming, sweating. Thursday during my lunch break in case my employees are watching. Still yelling about the council. And I was just like, yeah. I've been- oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to. I need. I need to vent, and I can't handle that. I know you came out, and you were like, "I'm pretty sure you might be on the front page of the Boston Globe this weekend, flipping off the city hall." <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. Yeah, that that would um, be interesting. Um, either you or me. I don't know. He did get up in my face, but all right. So we have a few. So as as many of you know, um, I've been out there every single day. Um, always, if you think you know of a protest in Boston that I don't know about, message me. Find me on Facebook because I want to be out there every day until we. I don't have a job. I don't have a life. This is my favorite thing. I want to be there. Um, the one silver lining of all this shit that's been happening for the past months is that now people are coming together on the street. I'm, I'm hearing from people. It's making me laugh. It's making me cry. It's making me angry. And it's making me hopeful. Because I'm seeing the young people out there every day. Um, and I'm seeing. I am. Something is changing no matter what policy is change or not yet so changing so anyway two things that you all know i hate uh one of them is nazis and one of them is also nazis <laughs> i was gonna make a food joke for them just like wait is that sexist and like my, my filter blocked it <laughs> i, I what, wait what okay i don't even know what you're talking about i, 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 saw- like, I ate two things i hate nazis and spaghetti Every, <laughs> everyone knows this about me. <laughs> no i like spaghetti i hate nazis I hate the alt right. I hate everybody that's a proud boy. And I'm okay. I'm like I know like oh we're not supposed to hate. No, I actually really do hate them. I think uh, they suck. Hating's okay. It's a very. I, I have a lot. Of, I actually am driven by the hate in my heart. Um, I hear all these amazing preachers talk about love as like a good thing and everything. No, I am driven by the power of hate. I really hate these people, and they're coming to Boston tomorrow. They are coming to uh, the Common at 1 p.m. And we're going to need all hands on deck for this. Uh, if you check, uh, Herb, can you play the show the flyer? So we've got two flyers for two different events that I'm very, very hopeful you will attend with us. Oh, yeah. As I said, oh, it's okay. July. I'm like, I'll get it him myself. All right. So this is uh, Organization uh, Boston Solidarity Against Hate. No who's in it. Maybe we're in it, I guess. Tomorrow, All Out Against White Supremacy, 12.30 p.m., the Robert Gould Shaw and the 54th Regiment Memorial, Boston Common. I actually have no idea where that is, but I know the Boston Common. Follow the crowd. Yep, just get there early so that we beat them to it. Um, follow the crowd. Uh, that doesn't look like a bunch of white boys. Um, there will be a, a multi-generational, multi-ethnic of uh, people most likely dressed in all black. Those are the friendlies. Join us. Great, we'll have snacks. And then also, and also, we're just going to have to be louder than them. And I'm going to need people with, if they can, have their phones charged, have cameras ready, and um, make sure that we all look out for each other tomorrow tomorrow, because it is going to get rainy. The cops do get a little aggro. Don't be scared. Got you. 
Next one is Austin Brighton, my hometown, is having a <laughs> Blue Lives Matter rally. Yay. Uh, this is recently discovered. I think yesterday people saw a post um, where they are going to the Brighton Police Department and uh, having a Blue Lives Matter rally. As we know, after West Roxbury, these things can get a little bit hairy. So this is Tuesday, June 30th. Uh, we're going to meet at 4.30 p.m. at Cunningham Park. Then we're going to head over to the Austin Brighton Police Department. This is very close by, so it's it's not a, a long walk. I didn't even know Cunningham Park was a place. I don't know the address of it. Just look it up. Um, just message me about that, too. Uh, bring signs. It's going to be a peaceful protest. Wear a mask, social distancing, all of that. We're flyering the town, and we would love to have you with us there to stand out against police brutality and against these Lives Matter bootlegs. Come in, spit in our faces. They super offensive stuff, drive through our communities with their cars, like driving through crowds of people, which has been happening lately. Um, so we're going to need all hands on deck for both of these counter protests. And that's what's on the agenda for next week. There's also Black Lives Matter protests every day um, as well. Solidarity with incarcerated people, um, rallies, you know, uh, reopen the cases of the police in Boston, which is also important among other, you know, different groups organizing stuff. So if you can make it out to those as well, definitely do. But if you have, if you really just hate Nazis as much as I do, um, then these are the two you want to make. And if you have any questions, message me about them as well. And hopefully we can keep the cops under control too. Hope to see you there. I'll be there. Yeah. What time is it? 12.30. Tomorrow, 12.30. Oh, yeah. I, I make 12.30. Brighton is 4.30. You should be there too. On, thir- on Tuesday. June. For the, for the listeners, I'll say, definitely. Evan hates me. Won't even come oh, to Brighton. You know how far also Brighton is from Dorchester? I go to Dorchester every day because I got to hang out with Herb. Because yeah, Herb's my fearless producer. Because Herb's cool. <laughs> um, oh, well, that was a weird implication. All right. What? Is it Herb's <laughs> cool? <laughs> I'm about to throw things at Evan again. Um... All right, so I'm done with the show. Right, this say. is Renters Radio. We actually, I do want to do a show next week. I have been talking to the, um, it's going to be a whole lot I start to get into it, but about those uh, eight laid-off workers from Un- Uncorner United. I've been speaking to them at different rallies. And the show has actually responded. There's a bunch of other things. I'll be live streaming it anyway. And where will you be live streaming at? The street. I don't know. This is when you you. I fa- they know who I am. <laughs> Just look at my Facebook. I'm always there. Rangers Radio is multi-stream all on all all platforms. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that. We are on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch. Um, if you give us more money and attention. Yeah, donate to our Patreon so we can actually have beer during the show again. Um, also, find us on uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and and next week, we'll let you know when it happens, because I have no idea when it's going to happen. <laughs> See you in three and a half months. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Later. Bye.